right, thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Wow, I can't. Linda, look at this date. It is December the 12th. Are you in the Christmas spirit yet? I don't even know what that means right now. Yes, no, maybe. Um, I guess he's. I guess. I guess their microphone's not working. Um. Anyway, working we got a on lot of mantis. news. <laughs> she's working on a mantis X. She's practicing because she wants to have a better score when we do a mantis X ad later in the program here. Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, Facebook has now revived their 2020 campaign to buy the 2024 election. Get this. So Facebook is once again pouring hundreds of millions of dollars, um, at least according to reports. Uh, Anyway, so their Chicago-based Center for Tech and Civic Learning, which during the 2020 presidential election campaign was funded almost entirely. Hang on a second. Check, check. Can somebody uh, send James in here? Because I lost all hearing here on my my thing it's not working i don't hear anything in my headphones thank you anyway the chicago-based center for tech and civic life which during the 2020 presidential election campaign was funded almost entirely by facebook founder uh, mark zuckerberg has released only general details uh about how much money each election official will receive or what it's going to fund it's now said 10 county municipal election offices will be part of the first group to receive grant money under the U.S. Center for uh, the U.S. Alliance of Election Excellence. During the last presidential race, the Center for Tech and Civic Life gave local election offices around the country uh, more than $350 million bucks. Opponents termed the grants Zucker Bucks and claimed that there were attempts by the billionaire to tip the vote in the favor of Democrats. Much of the earlier money went to election officials in urban areas that have traditionally, quote, supported Democrats. Grant amounts will vary based on the size and the jurisdiction from $50,000 for those with fewer than 5,000 registered voters to $3 million for those with more than a million voters. Now, the first offices will receive grants over a two-year period leading up to the 2024 presidential election cycle. The money comes with almost no restrictions on how it can be spent, and election officials said that they hope to use the grants for everything and improve websites, recruiting poll workers, building larger and larger secure offices, et cetera, et cetera. This, this is where I'm warning Republicans that they better start paying close attention with elections because Democrats, they're not out there kissing babies in these elections. They're not wasting their time. They're not doing rallies. They're not doing debates. They're not answering media questions. You know, they're they're not running traditional campaigns. They are running campaigns identifying where the ballots are and then where legal they're harvesting them uh, or working with or having people fill out their ballots. And then they themselves or a representative, whatever the law says, there's 25 states that allow this. 11 more states that allow different variations of it. And there's only one state that insists that a person drop their ballot off uh, individually and they can't have anyone else do it. And that's the state of Alabama. So it's this is a very different voting universe than the one we've been traditionally uh, thinking that actually works. In other words, if Republicans, the reason they're starting out these elections, you know, 250,000 votes behind 
and and all of this money that is given for these candidates. And I went through the disparity last week. You know, in the case of Herschel Walker, $100 million more spent by Raphael Warnock. And in every major Senate race, hundreds or, or, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars more spent by Democratic candidates. It looks like a lot of it is going towards this whole idea of following ballots, not trying to persuade voters that their ideas are better. So it's it's now a whole different ballgame. Now, what does that mean for Republicans? You can complain all you want. But if they don't get in the same ballot business as the Democrats, as it relates to elections, then they're pretty much it's guaranteed they're going to they're going to lose or they're going to start out on Election Day hundreds of thousands of votes behind. Anyway, so we have let's see Twitter file part three. We have Twitter pile, uh, pile part four. We have Twitter pile for part five um, in the third release, which was Friday by Matt uh, Taibbi. The top line uh, takeaway from this batch was that Twitter employees effectively appointed themselves the election police ahead of the voting in 2020. And high tech officials and executives met frequently with law enforcement uh, officials and the intelligence community ahead of the election in an effort to fight foreign interference and misinformation about the electoral process. Now, top executive Joel Roth bragged about meeting with the FBI and other agencies about Donald Trump in internal Twitter Slack messages. And ironically, despite meeting with the federal government, the person that Twitter came to be most concerned about was President Donald Trump, uh, head of the executive branch of, of the government. Internal messages released by Taibbi portray employees as slowly losing their patience with Trump and his allies as they tried to raise doubts about the validity of mail-in voting and Twitter took aggressive actions to promote the safety of mail-in ballots, including developing a a label to apply to tweets, which read quote, learn how mail-in ballots are safe and effective. And then they debated whether or not to label a joking Mike uh, Huckabee in which he said he had voted on behalf of his dead relatives. Obviously he was kidding. He picked up pretty early on that this was about ballots, not about running traditional elections. One overeager employee even took action against a tweet from Eric Holder, which read, it's too late to use the mails before he was overruled by his boss. Now, documents revealed the company was watching the account of conservatives, you know, people like James Wood, who was pretty active on Twitter, uh, leading to a constant enforcement actions against his tweets Taibbi also writes that it became an inside joke among reporters viewing the Twitter files, how frequently Woods is mentioned in them. Several of Trump's election-related tweets were visibly filtered or shadow banned until Twitter came to a new tool that they called L3 deamplification, which combined a warning label with the shadow banning of a tweet and which they intended to apply to Trump as soon as possible. And by the time January 6th occurred, Twitter employees had lost all patience with Trump. And after Trump tweeted to his supporters, go home in peace, but remember this day forever, uh, messages show Twitter employees reacted by saying, you know, things that I can't say on the radio. I actually got emotionally angry seeing that. He's a horrible human being. So they have a, you know, the question that we have to ask here is what power and control do they have? And the bigger question is the question I've been raising, which is why were, why were high-ranking FBI officials 
led by a guy that wrote his thesis on how the Russians interfered in the 96 election. I'm sorry, the 2016 election and that to help Donald Trump, when in fact that is not the case. There's no evidence at all that backs up that claim. But this is the guy that was organizing the FBI and their efforts to meet with these big tech companies. Anyway, so it goes on for there. Then they have Twitter, Twitter Files Part 4, released Saturday uh, by Michael Schellenberger, focusing on the events inside Twitter on January 7th. I can go into a, a lot of detail on this. I won't right now um, because that's separate and apart from the election interference aspect, which I'm more interested in. Barry Weiss released the fifth installment of the Twitter Files earlier today, and they focused on events of January 8th, 2021. But the bottom line is we get back to where we were in the beginning, and that is that you have big tech media companies in coordination with FBI agents that clearly have a political agenda uh, that are meeting weekly and told to be on the lookout for, quote, misinformation, including information, according to Joel Roth, who worked for Twitter, uh, that could relate to Hunter Biden. The Hunter Biden laptop story comes out and none of these platforms even allowed the sharing of that information, which would allow the American people to at least make up their own mind about the New York Post investigative report uh, about all the different varying things that were on the laptop. <clears throat> so this is getting way too interesting here. Um, the Washington Post is pointing out that Biden's legal team is frantic and in a bit of disarray. Washington Post uh, uh, revealed on Saturday that the Biden defense team is almost frantically assembling, uh, not fully coordinating and running the risk that they will not share a unified approach when the investigations begin. A strategy ses uh, session last September where Hunter Biden's lawyer, Kevin Morris, pushed quote, Hunter Biden's camp to be more aggressive against conservatives preparing to investigate Biden over allegations of corruption. Let me tell you, interpret what this means. Anybody that dares to say anything or run it or is running any of these hearings on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, James Comer, Jim Jordan, anybody that reports on Fox News is going to come under fire. I've seen this game played many times before. Anyway, the Post described strategy sessions as a glimpse into a sprawling infrastructure that is rapidly, almost frantically assembling to combat Republicans' plans to turn Hunter Biden into a major news story when the GOP takes over the House next year. Uh, anyway, people involved with Biden's team fear that this assembly will set up a shaky defense for Biden. And they said the risk for Hunter Biden and possibly for the President Biden as well is that this hodgepodge of efforts is not fully coordinating and does not share a unified approach. Now, this dovetails pretty nicely into an article that was put out um, by, who was it, Jonathan Turley, and it's called Witness Intimidation. It showed up in today's New York Post. I saw it over the weekend, and he said, just when you thought politics couldn't get any more poisonous, a recent meeting in California suggests that the past is a mere prelude and the Washington Post, which revealed the powwow, described it as the Biden family allies planning an offensive to blunt any investigation into the Biden's alleged multimillion dollar influence peddling schemes. Republicans will see it 
more like the gathering of the Legion of, of Democratic Doom. And some of the most controversial political operatives are involved in an all-hands-on-deck effort to protect the Bidens. In other words, once Republicans take control of the House and they start looking into all of this. Anyway, the meeting um, uh, was none, held at uh, Hunter Biden's friend, agent, and lawyer Kevin Morris's house. And after Hunter was placed under investigation, as it relates for possible charges of tax evasion... It was Morris reportedly paid off as much as $2.8 million in back taxes for Hunter. And Morris, per the Washington Post, called for a more aggressive response to anybody seeking to investigate the alleged influence peddling. Now, that plan would include hitting critics such as Fox News with possible defamation suits. Uh, And Jonathan says, full disclosure, I appear as a legal analyst on Fox News. The paper also revealed and reported Morris outlined extensive research into two potential witnesses against Hunter Biden, a spurned business partner named Tony Bobolinsky and the computer repairman named John Paul Mac Isaac. And spurned is hardly the sole or most relevant description of Bobolinsky. The businessman was recruited by the Biden family to manage foreign deals and later directly contradicted Joe's claim that he knew nothing about those dealings. Well, we also have the photographic evidence and we have evidence and have identified about 14 meetings where Joe Biden, in fact, did meet with Hunter and his foreign business partners. So all of this is going to come out. What this really means is the Clinton tactics of smear, slander, besmirchment, attack, uh, and by any means necessary to muddy the waters is pretty much coming. And it also tells me that these Democratic activists are scared to death about the fact that James Comer said that this is an investigation into Joe Biden and it's an investigation into influence peddling, an investigation into how much money they made, how little experience Hunter had, and what they ultimately find is going to be very interesting, but also something that people are fearing on the Democratic side a lot. Um, Hey, listen, you're going to love our friends at Pure Talk in these tough economic times. Right now, you can get unlimited talk and text and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. And by the way, you get to use the same exact cell towers, the same 5G network. You'll have the same number of coverage bars on your phone. You keep your phone, you keep your phone number. And by the way, it's uh, pretty much half the price. The average family saving close to $1,000 a year. Many families are saving much more for the exact same service. They have the best customer service team in the industry. And by the way, you're not going to be overcharged like the big carriers for the exact same service. You don't need Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. You'll get the same service from Pure Talk, and you're saving a fortune. Anyway, it's simple to make the transition. Just dial pound 250 on your cell. Say the keyword, save now, and they'll get you switched over in a few minutes. Pound 250, keyword, save now from a veteran-owned company, Pure Talk. Pure Talk.